Hello and welcome listeners to another very special episode of Story Screen Presents. This one's called The Right Stuff. And I am your host for this episode. My name is Bernadette Gorman-White, and today I'm joined by... Mike Burge. Hello. Hello. So if you haven't already caught the first episode of The Right Stuff, you can go to anywhere you find podcasts or make sure to check out storyscreenbeacon.com. You can find all of our content there. This is the second episode in this Right Stuff series that we're doing. And in the first episode, we talked about the Cornetto trilogy, which featured Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. We had a really great conversation. A lot of those films are now, you know, fairly older, and we hadn't really gotten a chance to talk about them in a long time. But today we're kind of going a little bit even before that, and we're talking about the television series that aired for two series long. It was seven episodes each. It was called Spaced, and it was on Channel 4 back in 99 to 2001. And I'm very excited to get into it, because this is probably my favorite Edgar Wright project, possibly. I'm not sure. It's hard to say. It's That's an uh, that's an easy opinion to have, I think. I think it's a super charming, very just well-made, cool show. It's really, really good. I, I hadn't... I watched Spaced uh, probably for the first time maybe like 10 years ago and hadn't seen it since i was shocked i was talking to you about it the other day i was shocked to realize that it was only 14 episodes long i i thought it was more but as i was rewatching it for this episode i was like oh yeah i guess they kind of just go do they do just go through all of this stuff rather quickly uh it's very cool i like the show a lot uh i realized why it's called spaced for the first time just yesterday uh because diana love of my life apple of my eye uh has not seen it and really doesn't know that much about it knows it's Edgar Wright Simon Pegg Nick Frost but she was like why is it called spaced and I was like oh I think it's because they move into a space together and they deal with sci-fi stuff sometimes like pop culture stuff I guess right I'm excited to hear what you have to say no, that's what I said to her. I was oh. like, I think they move into like a space together and they talk about sci-fi stuff sometimes. I was like, I think that's why it's called spaced unless it's like spaced out and it's just like not even something that's even more specific. But yeah. I just never considered it before. And I was like, I guess like when you're naming the show and the ver- and the beginning like idea of the show is, oh, they have to move into a space together. And it's about living in this building with these neighbors and the people that go into their lives. It's like, oh yeah, they're spaced together. I never considered that. I always just went to the Star Wars pop culture sci-fi stuff as like, oh, that's why it's called space. But that's, I don't think that that's, maybe it goes into it a little bit. But, you know, these are the real issues that we're talking about on this episode. We're, we're cracking it open, the mystery of it. Yeah, I was excited for you to tell me maybe a little bit more concrete of an idea. Because I also no. don't know why it's called Spaced. Um, I was surprised to find that a couple weeks ago... Edgar Wright live tweeted Channel 4 replaying the first series, all seven episodes. And I was hoping that he would give some insight into the name. And then after that live tweet stream was over, I just didn't even think to look into it further. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know why it's called spaced. It's the it best could... thing I can go because it's it's a yeah. flat it's a flat space like mm-hmm. your flat mates. So I'm kind of like maybe that's what it is. I don't mm-hmm. know, but yeah. You know. And they are also very spaced out. They're in between relationships. They're in between jobs, careers. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. I'm not sure. Hmm. The mystery continues. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, one of uh, I think the reason that this lands so high in my Edgar Wright rankings is because of Jessica Stevenson. Now she's yeah. Jessica Hines, but she and Ed- and uh, Simon Pegg wrote the series, and Edgar Wright directed it. So it was just like a really great collaboration. And I was trying to think of like an American actress that I think has the same type of physical humor that Jessica has, and I was thinking maybe like. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Amy Sedaris, and those are kind of like the only contemporaries. That's, uh, Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was the first one I was popping into my head. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. I'm going to be saying, I always say sentences that don't make sense. What am I talking about? I'm not going to apologize for this. That's my brand. you and me both. I like (laughs) mix words. I swap things around. I'm just like, I'm tired. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, it, she's got an energy... And I, it's kind of the same thing with Simon Pegg's energy in this, too. I think Simon Pegg kind of more morphed into the, you know, like how Cell evolves in Dragon Ball Z. Like he kind of morphed into like level four Simon Pegg, which is a little bit more of a normalized, toned down Simon Pegg. But in definitely in Spaced, he's got this kind of thing that's like, that's Simon Pegg. I can't think of anybody else that kind of has that real energy that he has. And it's the same thing with Jessica Stevenson. Should we call her Stevenson or Hines? I don't know. I mean, she goes by Hines now. Yeah. But she was Stevenson during the time? It's like Rebecca Romaine, then it was Rebecca Romaine Stamos, now it's Rebecca Romaine again, (laughs) which is on Star Trek. I don't know. Maybe uh, let's just call her Daisy, I guess. Since that's her character name, that's easiest. Yeah. Uh, On this second rewatch, you know, when I first watched it, I was like a 22-year-old. Uh, obviously I was gravitating more towards the things that, uh, Simon Pegg and his comic book buddies were talking about. Cause that was stuff that I was really into that I could connect with. And on this one, on this rewatch, you know, now that I am 34 year old woke as fuck bro, uh, I was definitely shocked at how much, uh, more I was interested in, uh, Daisy's character and the things that she was doing and how much more I related with like the searching for a job, the working at a kitchen kind of thing where she finds out they're all writers and stuff. That stuff was like the funniest stuff to me on this rewatch when I felt like in the first one, it was all the pop culture references, the movie nods of which those are still a plenty and still very much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, I agree. Like she's definitely got this like energy uh, and like this way of like committing to like a joke or a delivery that is kind of hard to put my finger on. And I didn't, didn't even realize until you brought up like, who would you compare? What would the, like the American equivalent or even the nowadays like kind of famo equivalent be? I can't really, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because you and I, there are about three years difference between our ages. So you're just a hair older than I am. But I think I watched it right around when I was like, 2021 as well and uh yeah i think watching her 
it also it's kind of one of those things where the characters are older than you are when you first watch it and then now that you watch it again they're younger than you are it's weird yeah that happens a lot especially i think mostly doing story screen stuff we're revisiting things that we used to watch when we were teenagers Mm -hmm. and now we're getting to the point where we're older than a lot of the characters that we really kind of like gravitated towards in our youth but yeah i think watching her when i was younger i was just like so in awe of her and her comedic ability and then to watch it now as i'm older it's just like i'm even more in awe because she has like such confidence at what was a very young age for her at the time and it's just yeah i think she's a powerhouse and i'm a little disappointed that maybe she wasn't included more in the collaborations with the rest of the Edgar Wright projects moving forward. But it's nice because this is like a nice little contained treasure because of that. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know, she pops up. She's Yvonne in Shaun of the Dead. Um, The female version of (laughs) Shaun. Yes. And, you know, and then they have like Martin Freeman is replacing kind of his girlfriend's character or their character. And then there's also, isn't it like um, uh, Janine is the, is one of the, um wait janine (laughs) janine's from uh hot fuzz that's the kate blanchett character right yeah i'm thinking of um i'm trying to remember the uh what uh oh her name is julia and i was looking at that marcia that plays marcia um i she's marcia is one of the uh is like playing the mom character in the other one as well right like in in shawn of the dead I never picked up on that until going through the list because I knew that Julia Deakins, who played Marsha, was in Hot Fuzz and The World's End. But I didn't realize that she played Yvonne's mom yeah. <laughs> in Shaun of the Dead. And that's like fun stuff. It's You can really see a lot of the DNA in especially the Cornetto trilogy and in the kind of structure of Scott Pilgrim in space. Like you can really kind of see all of these like different methods and stuff. It's kind of like I'm watching all of Steven Spielberg's uh, TV shows and short films that he made before he started making movies. And it's really insane because you can see all of these things slowly working out and like, oh, something happened by accident. Now that's like a part of like his staple. And you can see Edgar Wright kind of messing around with these kind of quick edit cuts and uh, these kind of like uh, self-aware uh, even diegetic kind of like situations, whether they be sounds or visuals, uh, that are going to progress into like the style that now everybody recognizes as being very Edgar Wright. To the point, like when you make an Ant Man movie and it's based off of concept art and stuff from Edgar Wright, you're like, it still kind of feels like an Edgar Wright movie, even though someone else is making it. Um, and spaced is it's just like the stuff that's in it, the characters that are in it are all just like your friends almost immediately. Uh, I forgot how much I love Brian and uh, even Twist. Like Twist showed up <laughs> and I, I had forgotten about Twist uh, until her character showed back up. And I was like, because I, I was thinking, I was like, isn't there another character? Because she doesn't show up in like the first couple episodes. And I was like, no, isn't... she just gets like a brief mention. Yeah. yeah. And then they, and then they mention her and she comes back and I'm like, oh yeah, twist too. And it's like, oh, these are all my little friends, which is what makes, you know, not to very briefly, like uh, the ending is like so perfect when I'm watching it. I'm kind of like, man, I wonder if they'd ever go back and make a third series or revisit these guys. And then I'm kind of like, no, 
Actually, this is like a very good ending. Doesn't feel forced. It feels like nice and tied together and very nice, very sweet. Uh, maybe a spinoff. I'd love a Brian and Twist spinoff. And maybe Marsha makes an appearance like just once per episode. Kind of like a Kramer. <laughs> she is kind of like the Kramer of the she show. <laughs> she definitely is. With the hair and the waltzing in through mm. the door. Very different energies, but similar. <laughs> Yeah, she's uh she's great. Uh Twist is great. Uh Colin's great. You know. I was telling Heath that I always forget about Colin, which mm-hmm. I don't know why. But when I watch the series, even though there are a couple of episodes that heavily Revolve follow like around, the, yeah. the losing of the dog or the stealing of the dog Colin, for some odd reason that just always goes over my head, but mm-hmm. I don't think it will anymore. Like it's, I was, I was consider- very paying attention this time. <laughs> yeah, I was considering like in the rewatch because I realized like, oh, it's only 14 episodes. They're only 20 to 25 minutes long. Let's pick my in real time. Like, let's pick what's my favorite like pop culture reference or what's my favorite episode? What's my favorite scene? Different stuff like that. And all the way back from my first watch, uh, this the episode with Colin breaking him out and the... Uh, the scene with the guard and when the guard like lets them go and then they have to put the makeup on him and he's like, I better call 911. So y'all better get the fuck out of here. Like that. I remember that being <laughs> like such equal parts, like sweet and funny and well executed that I was just like, this is perfect. This is like vibrating with how perfect this scene is. So that's, I would always remember that there was a dog might not remember the name Colin, but I'd always remember like the dog episode is like one of my favorite episodes because of that moment. Yeah, I do think that the first series as opposed to the second seems to have a little bit more, as you said, like the energy just feels a lot more true to itself. And I don't know how that would even make sense for series two to lose that because it's not like it's not there. But whenever I think about Spaced, especially in previous watchings, The first seven episodes always stand out way more than Mm -hmm. the second seven episodes. Because I think my favorite episode is Epiphanies, which is the first Tires episode and where they all go clubbing. That's a great one. I I think that one has to be my favorite. And I think it's just because of the use of music and Mm -hmm. just how good Edgar Wright is with understanding how music works to influence character and mood um, and like how it really just sets the pace for the rest of the episode. It's just very funny, but Tires is oh my gosh, just like perfect. Yeah, what's I uh, love that character is so that, much. Is it uh Michael Smiley? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh that guy's great. He is great. <laughs> He's uh apparently too like that character was based off of him. Like uh he used to be a courier and he used to drive around with other couriers and they would act like that. Like a lot of them would be clubbers. Like he himself wasn't really a clubber. It wasn't really into that scene. Had it, it had interactions with them though, and he kind of took a bunch of his experiences of working with them, and then played that character. They wrote the character based off of stuff, and then he played the character like that, uh, which I think is really funny. I love that they only bring him back twice. Like you know, he gets his he gets his one episode per season kind of thing where he kind of comes in and messes about. Hmm. Uh. I do love like the way that Edgar Wright is almost kind of poking fun at club music and club lifestyle when 
in actuality, in fact, at this point now, we do know that Edgar Wright is a big fan of club music and club lifestyle. Like, he uses it in a lot of his movies, and he... Uh, I'm a big follower of Edgar Wright's top 50 movie, uh, top 50 songs of the year on Spotify. And I, I anxiously wait for that to drop every year and just listen through it. And there's a lot of like good club music. He's got a very eclectic taste in music, which I really connect with because I like to try and be myself like as various in like my different likings of music as well. So having someone who is you know, so talented and genius, obviously sharing their personal taste with music and me being able to discover certain things, certain bands that I hadn't known before, just because I'm going on his recommendation is always really cool. So he's like a guy that loves music. And I love that he's kind of like, it's just like, oh yeah, it's just like someone stomping on the floor upstairs. It, it, like starts a beat or just like the beeping of like, uh, like this is what this music sounds like. It's like a bus stop beeping. Uh, you know, so I, I, I found that this time watching that to be uh, kind of funny that he's able to just kind of like to have a laugh with it and also kind of treat it as like this kind of big serious moment in season in series one when they go to the club. Because that's kind of like this big, I call it a once upon a time, uh, um, once more with feeling moment where so much stuff in the show has gotten so convoluted. Everybody's kind of lying to each other. There's too much going on. You just need one episode and one moment to kind of just bring everything back down to zero. And that's like what the club does. And then he's got that great line where he's just like, I've done what I need to do here. And he walks up and then starts coughing in the fire. It's great. It's great character, great episode. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Many a time, my siblings and I have been like, walking in various downtowns and we hit the like little button for the crosswalk and the beep happens and we all break out into tires dance moves like yeah he's just like such a fun character to think about he's good and then the honking the horn and he's just like (laughs) he's pointing at the yeah very good a lot of visual comedy going on right now in this podcast (laughs) yes that you guys do not get to see but just imagine, just imagine us like busting a move. Um, yeah, something that I noticed, especially regarding Tyres and his character and what he says, is I hadn't seen um, Taxi Driver until recently for a story screen stream along. And I did not realize that the scene where Tyres is talking to the security guard, that that's like all from... Yeah, uh, taxi driver. Mm-hmm. He gives like the same name. He says like yeah. I'm really interested in what you do and becoming yeah. more like you. <laughs> There's like a lot of real. Fu- I watched a uh, uh, like like someone did like a uh, like every reference in spaced and played them alongside, and uh, they did not get every reference in space because I think there are very small references like that that you might not even notice. Like there's like the the grease reference is one that I didn't notice before, and then I this I think it's the beginning of series two where it's like because mm-hmm. I, I got the Woody Allen reference with like uh, London she loved London, <laughs> and then it cuts to like that and then she's dressed up like the character from Grease like in these two different parts I never got that before, and having watched Grease uh, since I'd seen Spaced I'd seen it before but just like as a toddler. Now I'm kind of picking up on all of these things and there's like little, there's little tiny moments that you wouldn't even think are like a reference. Like, uh, I think one of my favorite references is the way Simon Pegg falls back into Nick Frost's arms when, uh, 
someone comes through the door, and it's the exact same way Linda Hamilton falls back uh, in Terminator 2 when she sees Arnold Schwarzenegger come out of the elevator. And it's very quick, and they don't carry the scene on with any dialogue after that. It's just the exact same, like, motion of the per- of a person falling back and a person coming forward. And I was just like, that's a genius. Why would you do that? That's so funny to, like, all right, guys. Everyone ready to shoot this scene? We're going to make it look just like Terminator 2. Here we go. It's great. There's like a lot of fun energy to the show in all those little spots that make it really impossible to like not enjoy. Like not even just like, but just like generally enjoy watching the show. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't really think it's a fault for a show or a film if you pick up on everything the first time. I Because I think people tend to think that like a higher level of art is when you can rewatch it and pick up on new things. I don't think that necessarily negates if you get everything the first time, but it is nice to revisit something like Spaced and find another like little nugget in there that you mm-hmm. hadn't found before. It's it's comforting. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, I'll watch Spaced again probably in another five or ten years, like uh, when I've gotten some distance from it, I've changed a little bit more or maybe I want to share it with somebody. And I guarantee I'm going to pick up on even more stuff on that watch. And it's that's like it's a good thing to own. Uh, I'm bummed that they I don't think it's on Blu-ray anywhere yet. Uh, maybe with all of this kind of you know Edgar Wright's thing, he did series one. Maybe he'll do series two. And based off of that, maybe they'll be like get a nice little Blu-ray with some extras on there. Some some fancy feasts. That'd be cool. Um, me and my Blu-ray collection right now are just having a lot of fun. I'm going through my Blu-rays and just watching special features on movies that I already have. That are just like, oh, I haven't seen... Oh, they, they talk about the car in Collateral? Cool. I'll watch that for 20 minutes and it's like super interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the closest I can get to being into cars. It's like, oh, you're yeah. going to talk about the car from a movie? Yeah, I'll learn about the V8 engine. All right. They might trick you into actually caring about cars if you watch enough of those. It can happen. It could happen. But yeah, uh, with all the jokes and just how often they reference things that you're familiar with, it just makes the show seem so familiar and welcoming. Um, Not to say that I feel like Edgar Wright's other projects alienate you as a viewer at all, because they don't. But I do feel like with Spaced... It's the only time that I'm watching, like, Nick Frost play a character where it makes me realize, oh, Nick Frost is a human being who probably has a lot of laughs with his friends and a lot of, like, his personal influences helped shape how he played this character specifically. Mm -hmm. It's really, like, the only time where I can really look at these actors and be like, oh, I know these people. Like, yes, these are my friends. Yeah, there's a very grounded execution to the whole show and especially the performances. Like, you know, people, especially people like you and me who are into pop culture, not even just movies, but music, art and all of that stuff. Like, we know people a lot like that. And we probably even see a good percentage of ourselves in like these kind of caricatures that they're doing because they're they're not making fun of them. They're like. This is what it is. Some people are like this with video games or comic books and they'll get fired over the fact that they don't like a Star Wars movie and they will feel justified with about that. And it's like, yeah, I, I can totally get that. If anything, like the whole Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, kerfuffle has kind of reinvigorated the funniness of that Phantom Menace scene with when he goes to unemployment 
and like she hooks him up because like they agree like silently that Phantom Menace isn't good. Like I got you. Yeah, like it's it's like an underground operation to like stick together. Oh yeah, I found it much more enjoyable this time around because I guess back then I I cared about movies to a certain degree, but I wouldn't live and die on a hill for a movie. And so watching that Phantom Menace joke just run throughout like the course of the entire series was very enjoyable. But I was like, well, that seems like a very like small hill to die on. Yeah. But now that we live in this other sequel, like this other trilogy that's uh fairly disappointing. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I feel that way now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I get it. I and I think that that's kind of like, you know, the crux of I think what makes the show work so well is not only the groundedness and the authenticity of like these are people, but it's like, you know, I was thinking about this was made in like the first series was in 99, the second one was in 2001. Mm-hmm. So this was like this was like before uh like pop culture was a was like a thing to be into like when when being into video games and comic books kind of made you a loser you know like back in like the 90s like that was something like i got beat up in in school for that like like oh you like comics you play D D. like this was something that you would get bullied around about and it's something to easily make fun of in movies and a lot of 90s movies did do that you'd have sylvester stallone is he's at a he got unfrozen from a time and now he's hanging out with some kid who reads comics. He's making fun of him for reading comics. Like, it's dumb shit like that. But it's like, this movie shows it like warts and all. Like, nope, this is what they're into. This is what they like. And we're going to make fun of it too. Because sure, it's silly to invest so much into like pixels on a TV or, you know, colors on a on a, on a comic book page. But there's like a love and a respect for it that they also mix in there that I think is kind of like really interesting that now now like being like a pop culture nerd is like is like a hip thing to do like sometimes some people build entire personas and personalities and characters around it but i feel like you know and i might be out of my element on this because i was only like you know 13 14 around the time this came out but my memory of 99 when episode one came out you know it was like oh you got the star wars posters from taco bell like you're collecting the Pepsi cans so that you can get the gold Yoda? What? Like, these are things <laughs> that, like, would get me, like, punched in the face in school. But now these are things where it's like, yeah, we're all into, like, you know, Stranger Things and, and, you know, Star Wars is cool. Everybody's into Star Wars now. But I feel like back in the 90s, that was kind of a thing if you were a kid in school. It's like, what, you like these old movies from the 70s and 80s? Like, what are you, a loser? <laughs> it's it's will smith or, or die now like what are you talking about and i feel like that's just something about the show that it feels like a really good warm blanket where it's like this is all stuff this is aesthetics that i like these are jokes that i get these are people that i know that i connect with for 14 straight episodes and we get to deal with little dramas that you know are similar to things that i've gone through in my life at this point as a 34 year old and also other fun little things that are just kind of plays on that typical, you know, Friends, Seinfeld kind of sitcom-y uh, style show. And, you know, it's it's kind of got an Always Sunny in Philadelphia vibe to it, only, you know, 10 years before that came out. Like, it's it's very just kind of like uh, like underdogs, you know, just kind of like getting together and like, ah, can you imagine how normal the world is? Doesn't this, this sucks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fact that it's not very posh when a lot of shows in that time period were trying to be posh um, is definitely very helpful for this series in particular. But yeah, I guess I grew up in too small of a town to really have like wide divisions on different cliques or friend groups because I kind of like roamed in a bunch of different circles. But I definitely was in that group, that nerdier group that would play board games and, you know be into things that weren't necessarily like teen beat mm-hmm. collecting. But yeah, um it's interesting. I think the main difference now as opposed to back then in the late 90s, early 2000s is just the accessibility because to be in any one type of interest group, like that's where your focus was. Like you put your focus in that group trying to get to that one lane. It's so much easier to be in so many different lanes now and have the access to all of these different types of yeah. interests that didn't apply back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the internet was kind of pitched as this thing where it's like what it can do eventually, not just like working and stuff. But it's like you can communicate with anybody. So it's like you pick you, the, the thing, what's the thing that you're into the most? What's the thing that you're super passionate about? The internet can put you in touch with thousands of other people that are just as into that thing as you are. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you live. And there's that connection. And it's what you said about like being posh at that time really kind of made me think about like, yeah, when you have shows like Dawson's Creek or you know, Gilmore Girls, you have these shows where everybody, all of the characters, they're diverse and they're like a little different here and there. But overall, in those shows, there's that one character who is like kind of like the skater, the jokey kind of comic relief. And it's like they have a show where all the characters are just that character. Right. (laughs) You know, and it's like all like, okay, we're gonna I kind of wish that they had a straight man like a straight character in in space that was from like a Dawson's Creek or something that was kind of like always like into drama like ah oh, my dad's getting on my ass again I can't I don't want to be like him you know it's but and everybody else is like yeah whatever Mhm Did you ever watch the British sitcom Coupling? No. Okay, cuz yeah, Coupling came out right around the same time as Spaced. And yeah, it was, again, a bunch of 20-somethings just being in relationships and drama. And it's very funny. I like coupling. Don't get mm. me wrong. But yeah, those characters are just like so concerned with looking cool and beauty and fashion and being liked. And really, I feel like Twist is the only character in space who cares about that. But she's like tricking herself into mm-hmm. caring about it because she doesn't really care about it. Yeah. She hasn't found out yet that that's not important to her. She's about mm-hmm. to find out by the end of the series, I think. But Yeah, and that's one of the saddest things about this show is the twist ending. Not jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh, the twist <laughs> ending, yeah. The it's twist. the twist. It's uh it's really sad. Like when when they start kind of showing how everything's ending, where everybody's at and what they're doing, and you know, it kind of feeds into the, there's like a really deep poignancy to that last like maybe ninety seconds of the show. Where everything's wrapped up and they've they all of the jokes and the fun stuff is kind of coming to a halt and they're like, all right, and now here's the exit sign. We're walking through the door and the the, the show kind of literally but also figuratively slows down and you kind of see where everybody's at and how they've changed and what they've done and like Brian has painted this picture of twist and 
everybody likes it and like and he feels really proud of it but like she's not there anymore and she's like in some club and kind of feels a little empty like there's a realness that starts happening to it and the same with like mike and uh marcia where you're just kind of like who would have thunk that these two would be the ones that would connect on such like a such like a level where it's like i don't even care if it's platonic or romantic i'd be cool with either one like because because these characters are so nice and good and I want them to be happy. It's it's really cool that a show can do that. And I think that's one of the things that goes into why I was so surprised to remember that it was only 14 episodes. Because I was like, I remember a lot going on in this show. Like that, like the ending hit me. How does that happen in 14 episodes? And well, there it is. Yeah, they did it. I remember being a little upset, not very upset. Uh, watching the ending the first time around and not getting any like real resolution because to me there has to be like some verbal communication saying like oh we're together now back then i was very into that like i needed that in a show or in a film (laughs) and then i've matured since then and i really appreciated the ending this time around um just like watching them like sit on the beanbag together and uh, like, oh yeah, they're they're buds, they're in it. Like mm-hmm. maybe even they don't realize that they're in it yet, but they are. And I found it really interesting that they have a character like Sophie, like the the block between Daisy and Tim, the one getting in the middle of them, it's sad that they had to write her out of the show because Sophie's a very likable character. There's mm-hmm. nothing unlikable about her. But they write her out so that you can have the main couple together, but it's nice to see that they don't like slander her or make yeah. her a villain. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, this happened. And she doesn't even seem upset that Tim doesn't drive her to the to the airport. She's just like, well, this was ending. Thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. and picking me up, Mike. I'll read this letter from Tim. I'll be fine. Which yeah. is nice. It feels like very grown up. An adult, which is kind of like what the series was trying to push their characters towards the entire time. Yeah, like the idea of like being grown up isn't about not playing video games and getting rid of childish toys and childish aspirations or not following your dreams. Like growing up is learning like how to be honest with yourself and one another and consider everybody's feelings and kind of make sure that you kind of take in the bigger picture being aware that the bigger picture is there i think is kind of the theme of at least daisy and tim's kind of thing where it's like you don't have to give up on the things that bring you joy but you also don't have to be afraid of them and you don't have to feel bad if things don't work out the way that you want because you know everything can be okay and it's the like uh i just keep thinking of (laughs) I keep thinking of when Mike gives when Mike gives uh Sophie the 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 letter like <laughs> the scene before that when Mike picks up the letter that um that Daisy left. Uh-huh. I love that he picks it up and he just goes Tim and he just takes him and that's all it says. There's just like Nick Fr- if anything and I guess he's not in the other movies that we're going to do in the Edgar Wright in the series. Uh, the one thing that I've gotten so hardcore out of all of this is that Nick Frost is just a phenomenal actor. Like, I always thought that he was just, you know, uh, the, the you know, like the chubby dumb friend in like all these movies. But I'm in watching the Cornetto trilogy back to back so so closely. 
I was like, no, these characters are all different. And in watching Mike, who's like, like you said before, is like kind of like a heavily differently inspired performance from Nick Frost that feels very genuine and very, it feels like there's a lot going on there, even if they don't execute on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very cool. Not a lot of people get this opportunity that Nick Frost got being a waiter who got cast in this role because Simon Pegg was like, cast this dude, he's my friend. And they even kind of lied a little and said he was an actor. And then during the shooting of series one, he would have to remind Edgar constantly, like, okay, you don't have to talk to me that way. I'm I'm not an actor. I'm not going to understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great because I feel like a lot of people who try to get into acting get constantly told, like, no, you're not right for this role or no, you're not doing this in a way that we see viable. And I think they get the spirit, like, beat out of them, unfortunately, a lot of the time. Because for the actors that we actually get to see on screen, there are so many more people who don't get cast in those roles, who struggle their entire career just trying to make it. And I think it's great that Nick Frost is, like, ball of delightful energy got to just like be himself and like really give it a go and look what came of it like Mm -hmm. someone who was told like yeah lean into it even further yeah be a little crazier you you got something kid like go for it yeah it's very very cool and then how after series one nick frost blew all of his spaced money and he had to go back to the, the restaurant that he was waiting tables at and he just like waited tables again between (laughs) the first series and the second series and it was even while like series one was still airing and people would like question him like oh you look just like that guy who's in space and he's like i am that guy in space (laughs) that's me (laughs) that's me tip well yes (laughs) but yeah i think it's great that he got that chance and that people like the right people like simon were looking out for him and it's like, no, dude, you're funny. Like, yeah. you got to do and something with this. Acting, acting is art. And, you know, my philosophy on art has always kind of been like, you can, some people are just naturally good at it. And some people have to work really hard to be very good at it. And both of those things are, are they're not mutually exclusive. They're the same thing. It's like somebody can just like be like an eight-year-old and just go up to a piano and can just figure it out. And it's and they're one of the greatest musicians of all time. And I don't remember if that's Bach or Beethoven. I don't know who the deaf one is. But that's what happened to one of them. Maybe it was Mozart. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's also like, you know, you, you hear these stories. Like, you know, there's like Daniel Day-Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix. Like these people who really kind of immerse themselves in the performance and the character. And they give amazing performances And then you get something, just to use this as an example, someone like Nick Frost, who maybe didn't have any professional training, at least at the very beginning. Maybe he's gotten some sense uh, to varying degrees. Um, But I think that, and I think that what he's doing is definitely on a different level than what something like, you know, DDL and JP are doing. But it's, there's, there's like a... um, not like an engaging there's just like a captivation to what nick frost is doing in all of these characters that i think can easily be overlooked and it's kind of the same thing with like chris farley which you can kind of overlook because you get used to chris farley being so good at what he does that like you'll watch tommy boy now in your 30s and you'll be like jesus this is so funny how is he doing this and it's just like that that connection with chris farley and david spade just energizes that movie 
And then you see Chris Farley in other movies and you're just like, he's still got that same charm and that energy, but obviously he's not committing himself to like this kind of like different style performance than someone who's been like, you know, you know, I went to Yale for acting and stuff, but they can, they can produce the same quality and neither is like negative for either of others existence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see everyone exist in that same pond for sure. Yeah, I also learned that the character that Marquis plays, the Brian character, that that was originally written for Julian Barrett, who is also a British actor. He's one half of The Mighty Boosh, which is a comedy duo that's had great success over television series and touring. And uh, he recently did Mindhorn on Netflix uh, about four years ago, I want to say. And he's on Flowers as well, which is on Netflix. But Julian Barrett is an actor that I've followed for a while now, and I think he's wildly funny. But I was very happy that he wasn't cast in that role because Markeep, I don't think I would even know who he was if it wasn't for him being cast as Brian in Spaced. It's one of those characters I can't imagine anyone else playing them. Like that's Mm -mm. part of the Brian character is how he looks in that performance. Like 100%. It's... So Fina, he's my buddy. I like Brian. He's he's my buddy. <laughs> Don't you wish he lived like right next door to you? It'd be great. I I, it? I think it's one of the funniest <laughs> jokes that that pilot episode, which I guess it's not even really a pilot because I think they ordered it to series for the entire thing. But that first episode is the introduction to all these characters is so funny, and Brian's introduction where he's just like, what does he say? Like I'm from the fir- I'm I'm from the the floor below or whatever. Oh yeah, I live downstairs. I live and- downstairs. I was like, oh, does that mean you're gay? <laughs> uh, no, what does she say? She's like, what is the actual setup of it? I was like, what do you mean I'm gay? And he's like, no. No, I was saying, wait, what? And he's like, no, I, I live downstairs. And he's like, oh, okay. I have the Are- first floor flat. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, Are you gay? And he goes, No. no. <laughs> it's it's like this just the energy is immediately there with like, oh, this is the type of show this is going to be. And they kind of keep that up and they lean into it and lighten up on it on certain points. Uh, it's good. It's good stuff. An- like another random character in there, um, uh, Peter Serafinovich. Serafinovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays um, Dwayne. Dwayne. I was going to say Doug and I was like, that's not it. Dwayne. That's and not right. <laughs> he's just got that great voice and you're just like, just like a nice little punchable face. Extremely punchable face. And he's only in like two or three episodes, but those like the, the uh, you know, the, the, the slow motion gun shooting episode and the, the paintball war episode are two of my favorite episodes too. Uh, and he's in both of those. I think his character like kind of brings like this kind of, this uh, tenacity to uh, Simon Pegg's performance as Tim that's kind of missing in some of the other stuff and doesn't have yes. to be there. But there's like, it's fun to see it. Uh, it's fun to see Tim's character when he's kind of pressed into a corner and no one does that as quick and as good as like when Dwayne just shows up in like a room. And he's oh, like, yeah. oh, hello, Tim. It's, it's great. Yeah, I had a thought while watching it. Now it's completely escaped me on that voice that... Dwayne is doing throughout the series. It reminded me of something and now I've lost it. It might th- come back to it's me. It's kind but. of the same voice I think that he does for he does Darth Maul in um the Star Wars movies. Like he oh, is the he? voice of Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. 
Oh, he's the wow. one that said Ray Park plays Darth Is the Maul. actor, yeah. yeah. And he does the voice for like, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Like, that's him. And I think that he worked on the animated show for a while and then was replaced by somebody else. Like, he was going, he recorded audio for, um, in Solo, for mm-hmm. Darth Maul. And thought that he was in the movie. And then when he went and saw the movie, he saw like, no, they have Ray Park come in and just do the whole thing. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. I thought I was in the Star Wars movie. <laughs> like that's, that's like a, so I feel like he's kind of honing in on that Darth Maul voice, but maybe you're thinking of something else. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of Darth Maul specifically. I was thinking of like a specific actor or character, like in American television mm-hmm. or possibly in a film. But it just seems, like, so put on and ridiculous yeah. to think that, like, anyone actually talks like that. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's then, kind of he's got, like, a, he almost kind of sounds like Bill Nye from Shaun of the Dead. I'm like, Shaun. Like, he's got, it, like, just maybe not as droll, just maybe just sharpened up a bit. Yeah, just that gravel. But then extra fun to come back into Shaun of the Dead and see that he's, like, the roommate that they don't really like. Yeah. Very good. It's good stuff. It's like yeah, it's, it's a good callback. It's it's fun. Uh, you know, you can never change your first experience with stuff like this. Where it's like I watched Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz before I ever saw Spaced. Me too. You know, and it would have been. I would have loved to have been like if I was just maybe a little older and kind of like it was more in line with what I was watching in like '99. I would have loved to have like I have this great show space check this out oh my god they made a movie and it's great like that would have felt so good it was great to just go watch Shaun of the Dead and be like yo can you believe how like really good this movie is over here like I feel that's a thing a lot of people take for granted is how good Shaun of the Dead is like nobody doesn't like Shaun of the Dead right who doesn't mm. like that movie Hot Fuzz no one that I've met Hot Fuzz The World's End I can get it sure maybe you don't like those types of movies but like Shaun of the Dead is it's kind of the same thing with Scott Pilgrim it's like you don't you don't like that <laughs> look at it name me another movie that's like that at least yeah very true especially coming in and watching Shaun of the Dead now and seeing how it still feels very raw but it's like very polished raw I think going back to watching Space it's so fun to see that that type of project was made with so many like harsh glares of light and sometimes like the the shots are repeated almost like too many times but you're in on the joke so you like it it's just like shot in such a way that i've never seen before in a television show it's kind of like what Wright does he you're aware that you're watching a movie at all times and he's kind of doing things purposely to remind you of that like the editing cuts and the smash cuts like the in the beginning of, uh, I think it's in the beginning of series two, where it's like the, instead of just freeze framing on people while they're doing it, he's playing two frames back to back. So they're just like moving. Uh-huh. And he just keeps doing it. And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? You psychopath. But it, you get used to it and it becomes a joke. And it's like, this is funny. And you're like, that was not funny 15 seconds ago before <laughs> I knew that this was a thing that you could do. And now it's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. There are so many instances where characters will be going, walking like in front of a spotlight. And so they block the light half the time. And then the rest of the time, you're just like getting this like horrible like sun in your eyes. Mm-hmm. But it's just good. Like, I think in any other context, I feel like that would be very jarring. But for whatever reason, 
because you've formed this relationship with the language of the show, you just get it. And that's, I think that's something about Wright that's so cool that it was there so early is that he does, he really has this, this very specific way of delivering like language of film. And that's what kind of makes him so unique. That's why he has a style that a lot of people kind of crib on now and like to copy and stuff because he's really kind of taking it from this energetic aesthetic that he's kind of built from the ground up. And it's all the seeds of that are all in space all throughout. And then just like executed to like masterful use in Shaun of the Dead. And now he's just kind of adding to them and perfecting them uh, all throughout all of the movies that he's doing, which is why like, you know, Baby Driver and then um, uh, what is it? Uh, Last Night in Soho? What's it? I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, like I love that he's kind of he's moving more into like genre oriented. Like he's always been very genre oriented, but now he's kind of moving into, you know, they're not straight up comedies. You know, like even Scott Pilgrim, which I would argue, you know, is is probably more like adventure comedy, something like that. It, it, there's definitely a comedic element that's overweighing a lot of the other stuff in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Baby Driver was like one of his first movies where it's like this is like a like a thriller mm-hmm. that's also like got this weird music niche to it. And it's it's got funny parts in it, but I don't I wouldn't call it a comedy. You know, it's like, it's got the funny elements that you try to, you know, put comic relief in anything. And that's like, I'm really excited about him now kind of growing into his filmography and kind of mixing things up and seeing what he's going to do with stuff like that. Because when you take these really, really cool things that we're expecting from an Edgar Wright project and put them in what should just seem to be a normal movie, it becomes very exciting because you never know what he's going to do. Oh, yeah. To take his, like, hyper-stylization of pretty much anything and put it in a genre, it just elevates it for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why, like, I'm really psyched for our Baby Driver episode. I'm really psyched to revisit that. I've been putting off a rewatch on that for a while because I'm just really psyched to go back in there and just be like, man, he he get he gets away, pun intended, with, like, so much stuff in that movie that probably wouldn't work, like, from any other director or in any like messing with that kind of genre in that way it's he's a good director he knows what he's doing if i may say so (laughs) yeah i definitely agree this is just like on the spot thinking of this analogy but he's like the the cool uncle or cousin that you have at like thanksgiving who totally has a seat at the adult's table and can totally sit there but he chooses to go sit at the kid's table instead he just like always takes what he has already done in the past and applies it to like these big budget films that he's putting out now like Mm -hmm. now he's like sitting at the big boys table but he doesn't feel like sold out at at any point he's just like oh no now i just have a little bit more money so let me just give you this idea that i had back when i was living in a flat with so-and-so let's make it now i can actually like put some money towards it Yeah, yeah he's very good he's very talented it's worked out for him so far mm Hmm. It was so stupid. I felt so dumb rewatching Spaced and having that realization because at the time when Scott Pilgrim came out, I thought like, what a weird choice to choose Edgar Wright to direct this project. And then rewatching that scene in Spaced where Daisy is recounting playing sports and being very competitive and Mm -hmm. it goes back to the comic book frames. And it's just like, that's Ramona. That's like Ramona giving her backstory about how she punched 
a guy into the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it was just like such a realization. Like, why did I ever doubt him being put in that seat, like in that helm of I mean, that movie? It's that just was bizarre. definitely, that was like before the world's ends. You know, this was mm-hmm. like, just, he's the Shaun of the Dead hot fuzz guy, you know? So you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, I mean, those are like genre stuff, but like they don't really have a lot of CGI or like, and like anything really to do with animation or stuff like that and you're just like oh no he's a connoisseur of all nerdisms mm-hmm yeah ah, we all aspire to be like edgar wright essentially yeah, yeah. He, he's a good and he's, he's a good looking dude you know I'd, I'd hang out with him yeah i mean definitely he's been very nostalgic as of late as has a lot of like television channels that have featured his work in the past and so he's definitely been taking a lot of walks down memory lane on twitter he's been doing a lot of live streaming and um it's been interesting to like see him live tweet in real time he just seems so approachable Mm -hmm. like the way he interacts with people and the way he interacts with his own work is like he's a fan of his work but not in like a gross way (laughs) right yeah, I think he's, you know, he's uh, the kind of guy who's like into pop culture and into a lot of the things that are easily accessible, like we were just talking about, like on social media and online. So I think that, you know, it's it's fun. It's it's kind of like the um, like the zoetrope uh, guys, like uh, the Scorsese, Spielberg, uh, Francis Coppola, uh, George Lucas and Brian De Palma. They all started this the company together, zoetrope back in like the 70s and it was like they didn't like each other none of them liked each other they weren't really friends but they all loved movies and they all loved like uh helping out on each other's movies and criticizing each other's movies and having their movies criticized and like working on it where it's like you know you can movies are kind of that like that glue that can really kind of get almost anybody to have at least a decent conversation even if everything else from their viewpoints is completely opposite. You know, you can not agree with anybody on absolutely anything, but you guys can talk about why you don't like Titanic and why the other one does like Titanic for like a while without things getting too heated. Cause it's usually you understand like it's a movie and you can do stuff. Some people suck at that, you know, but that's, some people gonna, do. that's going to happen with anything. Uh, and I think that that's something that kind of comes across in his personality that he's like, yeah, I love movies. I love pop culture. love talking about this. Uh, so if you love talking about that too, that's cool. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think lastly, what I want to say uh, for like in closing during the live tweet of the series one rewatch of spaced that Edgar Wright did. Um, I, found out that they did indeed shoot a pilot episode for an American oh. Spaced. Oh, and, yes. And it was called Mix Spaced. And I'm so glad that it got killed mm. and that it didn't come to fruition. Yeah, that's... What was it? Uh, I, I heard, like, something, some kind of thing that was, like, a, like an anecdote about it. Oh, it was uh, the Mike character couldn't have guns because guns were, quote, un-American. And frowned upon. And frowned upon, right? Yeah, I, I read that, and I was like, that's very good. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, America just qu- quite isn't there yet. No. They don't, uh, they don't quite know what they're talking about. <laughs> no. Nope. Most of the time, no. No. So thank goodness that that did not happen. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. happen one day. Oh, gosh. Everything bad does. 
Christmas. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. Just got to be happy right now while it's not happening. Or oh gosh! In 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 uh in the sense of right now, like it is happening right now. So I hope you were happy before because it's gonna be a while. Yeah. Do you have any uh, closing remarks on Spaced in particular? Uh, no, I think we covered everything that I was really excited to like kind of jump into. I think it's it's fun that we did the Cornetto trilogy first and then this because we do get to have like that kind of like there's much more of like a reflection, a reflective nature between them. And then, you know, in the next ones going in talking about his like more individualistic movies, like that's going to be a lot of fun because now we have all this context from these ones before. So I'm, this is, this is a fun series. I'm having a lot of fun watching these movies and, and talking about them with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As you said, you can't really have your first experience again. It happens once, but yeah, I, I do think my understanding of what Edgar Wright could do definitely lent itself to me really vibing with Spaced. And yet, especially going back now, it's just, yeah, as we said earlier, it's just full of riches. It's a good show. Watch it. It's on Hulu. Very good show. Be careful. Hulu is a little, like, janky sometimes. It, like, cuts you forward a little bit too much in an episode. Uh, Yeah, that's happened sometimes with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm careful usually anyway because that's happened to me before where I accidentally skipped like three episodes of a show mm-hmm. and just started watching an episode and I was like, the hell's going on? And like something happened that like kind of ruined, like, oh, now I have to go back and watch this, but I know this is going to happen. And so I'm, you know, I got, I got did Bummer. once, I ain't getting did again. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you listeners, thank you for listening to the end of this podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this one and you happen to miss the first episode of The Right Stuff, feel free to go back to anywhere you get podcasts to check that out. Um, at the beginning, I did mention that the mothership of StoryScreen is StoryScreenBeacon.com. You can find all types of great content there. We do have a brand new subscription feed only $5 a month. You get all kinds of great exclusive content, articles, reviews, video reviews, podcasts, such as this one. So continue to check that out. And thank you for your support. And if you are on social media, and you'd like to follow us, that'd be awesome. We are on Twitter, we're at story underscore screen. On Instagram, we are at story underscore screen underscore beacon. And on Facebook, you can just find us Story Screen, comma, Beacon, New York. But uh, we're on there all the time. Feel free to hop in, hop out, just enjoy yourself. We're really trying to reach out to people a lot more, and we're excited to engage with our community. So feel free to find us on all of those platforms. But yeah, Burge, do you have anything going on theater-wise, or? No. No. The world cool. is the world's falling apart and we're gonna wait until it's safe to crawl back out. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's it at this That's point. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, hopefully listeners, if you're listening to this, say in like twenty twenty one we'll have crawled back out. But yeah, twenty twenty yeah. it's still a little 
Unsure. This is what's be, going on. All these episodes we're recording right now are going to be fun for me to listen back to in a couple years. Just as are like the first ten episodes we recorded are right now fun for me to listen to. I was like, listen to those. We don't even know what we're doing. Not that we know what we're doing now, but like no. we really didn't know what we were doing in those first couple ones. Mm-mm. They turned out good. <laughs> they turned. It turned out good. Over two hundred yeah. episodes. Hey. Yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, if you listen back to these. You know, in a couple years, Burge, you can be like, oh, yeah, I'm so much happier now. Yeah, hopefully. I feel yeah. so much better now. The, the world just needs to, like, fix itself. I don't think I'm being egotistical in that. Like, it's just like, if the world could fix itself a little bit better, I'd be a lot happier. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, 100% against technology by any means. But uh, at the end of the world's end, where, like, all the technology goes kaput, I'm like, hmm, if we dealt with a reset like that, I don't think I would hate it that mm, much. Yeah. I don't wish it upon us because I like movies and stuff. Right. But like, if it did happen, like, I'd be into it. I'd get over it in a couple of days and be like, all right, now let's like Mad Max the fuck out of this shit. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, movies. You're training us. <laughs> all right. Well, then, I think we're at the end of this podcast. Cool. So thank you for joining me to talk about space. It's been a lot of fun. You're welcome. And yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode of The Right Stuff, where we're going to get into Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm -hmm. So look for that coming very soon. All right. Skip to the end. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Bye.